Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1235 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you. This is Oilers Now. Uh, hope you're doing well today. Some guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris uh, Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. And a reminder that uh, every Wednesday night at Roos Chris, two can dine for $120. All right. Um, Lots to get to. Just very quickly, I want to get to some text on our Westlock Ford text line at 630-630. What is going on with this headset here? Okay. Bob, uh, we were talking about the best uh, Dustin Hoffman roles. What about Louis Dega and Papillon? Oh, that was a good movie. Was George C. Scott in that movie? I'm trying to recall who was in that. That was an excellent movie, about 1975. Uh, this text out of Calgary, Rain Man, Sleepers, Outbreak, three great movies. This text from Calgary, Bob, please don't talk politics on the show. And a second texter has said, Bob, I think it's great that you were able to separate the individual from the party in terms of your reference on Rachel Notley, because I concur with those thoughts. And that comes to us from Epstein's mother. Well, we haven't heard from Epstein's mother for a while. Let's bring aboard Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Craig, how are you? Great, Bob. How are you? Fired up, ready to go. Oilers right. hitting the ice today at 11.30, late practice after... Uh, and maybe you can shed some light. Educate our, our listeners uh, on this. I mean, th- for a player and for that matter, the coaching staff, this time of the year where Edmonton would have back-to-back road games in Calgary. So the team uh, practices in Edmonton and then uh, flies to Calgary, gets in, busts straight to the rink, plays that night, flies back to Edmonton that night, and then some of the players do the same thing the next day, practice in the morning, uh, you know, fly to Vancouver, fly yeah. back that night. It is it is atypical for players. It's a tough haul, isn't it? It is. It's just out of routine. And, you know, for so many of the young players, uh, this might be their only game or it might be their only chance. So uh, I think that is one of the challenges of uh, exhibition. You know, it's so different than the regular season. The game's... Uh, take on a very different feel and at times your travel and your routine has to change so 
if if nothing else, it's another challenge for some of the younger guys, especially. Uh, you know, I think the the veterans use the uh, preseason as just sort of getting the engine revved up and try to get up to pace, try to get uh, your body uh, back into playing condition. And uh, but for so many of the young guys, you got your one chance to make uh, an impact, so you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of impact, you only get one chance to make a first impression. During the time that you were a player, was there a guy who was an early training camp wonder one year where you got, holy man, this guy looks like he's unbelievable. (laughs) And 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 I'm going to translate that into your experience as a coach as well, Craig. But do you recall a couple morning glories, I believe the late Pat Quinn used to call them, Uh, but we'll extend that, you know, guys that, I mean, I used to joke that Brian Savage was Mr. October. Uh, remember him? Yep. He always put up. Yep. No, yeah. exactly. Well, I always call him. There's always a September sweetheart, you know, that the coaching staff loves. Or the yeah. guy that comes in and has done great. Uh, I think the I, I can't remember his name. I've mentioned him on our show before. Uh, a Swede, Jonathan. Uh, man, his name is escaping me. But he, he's one that I remember Craig McTavish and I talking because Erickson. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I think it was Jonathan Erickson. Um, Anyways, he had a great camp and turning heads and scoring goals and the scrimmages and all that. And, you know, you look and say, geez, I wonder if this guy really has it or it's just one of those stretches where he's been hot. And uh, by late October, he he was out of the lineup and gone. And, uh, you know, that's something that happens very often. And uh, I think what the younger players have to learn, too, is, like, there is nothing like, exhibition is nothing like the regular season and the intensity of your uh, opponent isn't there the top players aren't usually firing on all cylinders so you really don't get a sense of what nhl hockey is truly like and at times that can be a bit deceiving so as a coach or a general manager you you're always factoring that look at the quality of the lineup you know look at the intensity of the game and uh, those things you always have to sort of discount how how well a player has looked or uh you know if he and if he's not handling that well and not looking well i mean there's your your biggest problem for uh so many of the players if you can't make an impact in that type of lineup it's going to be hard to do it once the season starts well how do you uh i want to talk a bit about ryan mcleod i don't know if you've had a chance to see him play much uh, no last, I haven't. last night was probably his least noticeable game he, Yamamoto, and Tyler Benson were the only three players that played both games. Yep. And um, we talked about the delay in the tarmac. Those things happen once in a while. Some would call those first-world problems. So I'm not gonna, I, I'm not whining and complaining from a broadcast perspective about getting in back-to-back nights 3 in the morning and that yep. sort of thing. But, you know, I, I did think it was a tough turnaround for those kids. But when a guy skates that well... And, I mean, he is a elite skater. He has big-time speed, and he's got some horsepower behind him, too. Like, he's not a light-in-the-ass fart-in-the-windstorm that's sitting there, you know, that can skate a million miles an hour and not get anything. Like, he, he can make some things happen, and he's defensively aware. Because um, today what we're seeing, Craig, is youth is served more so yep. than ever before, right? Like, you kind of had to earn your stripes, even if you were the number two overall pick in the NHL draft in 1985. Or was yeah, it 86, I, right? Like, I was 85, yeah. No, I, I think without question, the, the players, um, you know, have the respect of the coaching staff in the sense that they've been coached at a high level. They know what the expectation is. They should be 
prepared from a training standpoint. I mean, that in the olden days, uh, that was always the biggest difference. Uh, some guys didn't know quite how to train. You know, you didn't have your own personal trainer or, or work out as a group like you do now so that everybody understands the level of commitment you have to have to be an NHL player. And you mentioned those three players having to play back-to-back nights. And, you know, I, I would look at it as a player, wow, I'm getting two quick opportunities. Yep. And, and you have to have that mentality. So if speed is one of your biggest weapons and one of your uh, biggest things to try to, you know, impress on the coaching staff, then you've got to find a way to be an impactful player. And I think all three of those have done their their job of, of making sure that they were able to put some sort of a stamp on those two games. They, they were noticeable. They, you know, Yamamoto from a production standpoint, you couldn't have a better two games. And he knows exactly what's going to be um, the deciding factor if he stays around at all. And, and that's going to be, you know, be reliable in your own zone so that they can trust you that you know how to play the game, but you got to make somebody turn their head by, by getting production. And, uh, you know, credit to him. He, he's a guy that's got an eye in the sky on pretty much every practice or every game. And to his credit, uh, that's a good start for a young man, knowing that he's got that kind of pressure going in. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because last year it wasn't an option to send him to the American Hockey League. And yeah. this year it is. And if you take a look at what they did with Paul Yarby, his second year at the organization, and Dreisaitl, second year at the organization, they both started down in the American Hockey League. Now, there's people that say, oh, it's the best thing, Leon. I don't buy that for a second. I don't. Leon went down there. He went played six games. Uh, By all reports, he had one decent game. I don't think he felt he should have been sent. I got to tell you, based on what I saw in preseason uh, back in 15, 16, I don't think he should have been sent down. To me, he helped. Right. For me, that, that, that was a send-down to try to send a message uh, to make you even hungrier. Uh, I mean, there are times when you, you raise an eyebrow and say, well, why is that player you know, getting treated like that or done like that? And I, I think that was a specific plan to say, you know, you can't have that sense of entitlement or feeling. And if that's at all creeping into the minds of the general manager or the coach, uh, I think the message was, Hey, we still control your destiny of where you gotta, where you're gonna be. Don't assume anything and come back and be a hungrier player. And to his credit, he handled that. You know, I'm sure he was very upset. But you know, those are the kind of things that can happen. And it's how you react to it and the maturity level you can have to understand. Oh, this is a bit of a message. And uh, when I get back up here, I better find a way to make sure it never happens again. And you know, clearly he did that. Well, he put up over 50 points in his second year, which if you'd prorated back to the 1980s, uh, Craig, that would be basically like an 80-point season. Yeah, for sure. Right, and I think you would have been pretty happy your second year in the NHL in Pittsburgh having an 80-point season. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think so, <laughs> like, for sure. So he, in Paul Yarby's case, I got it more, right? Like, I was like, all right, yeah. well, I know what I saw in preseason, and he didn't nominate. Now, speaking of Paul Yarby, last night, he did look like a different player. We've discussed that he's using a shorter stick. He was more assertive when he had the puck. He was far more, for me, decisive. And, you know, I just, I know fans don't want to hear preaching patience. Yeah. But I, 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 I really think when it comes to Pogliar, and you know what? It's a two-way street. Like, the organization has to be patient with him, too. Because there's clearly something there with the player, and maybe the best thing for the first 25, 30 games is if he plays on a line with Stroman Kara where he gets third-pairing matchups defensively. 
Yeah, and, you know, like last night, as an example, okay, you get a goal, great. It wasn't a great goal. The goalie would like to have that back. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's always good to have on the score sheet coming out early in preseason, you, you get one. But the thing that's going to be mattering more for him is the other things you were talking about. You know, that goal doesn't raise your eyebrow and say, oh, wow, what a player. Uh, I think the other things that are going to keep him in the lineup is skating hard every night, you know, winning battles, making plays along the half wall, make sure you get the puck out of your zone and don't turn it over along the boards. Uh, All those things that you're just looking for signs that you're making progress in that regard. So uh, I, I think... You know, you always, if you're a scorer, it's good to light the lamp no matter how it goes in. But uh, the, the key for him is going to be all those other intangibles that he's got to show uh, Todd McCollum that he's ready to do that and ready to compete on a consistent basis night in and night out. And, and that's what will keep him in the lineup and will can, can continue to give him an opportunity to either move up the lines or uh, stay in, in an area that he can prove that he can play at on a consistent level. So they have McDavid, they have Dreisaitl, they have Strom, and I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but he's a legitimate NHL player. And then they have Brodziak, who's a good fourth-line center, who's, who's really... Uh, and I don't know if you felt this was there with Kyle, but he has turned out to be a hell of a pro and, and had a great career for himself. So, and, and then they could play Jujar, they could play Nugent Hopkins at center. So one of the biggest question marks, Craig, is right wing. We've talked a bit about Paul Yarvey and Yamamoto. Reader is likely to start the season on the right side with Luke yep. Cheech and Dreisaitl. Uh, Cassian's pretty much at uh, this stage a uh, fourth-line right wing paid, compensated very fairly for that role, may I add. Uh, yeah. But we have like these three guys that are kind of duking it out for playing time on the right side. Ratty, along with uh, Paul Yarby and Yamamoto, they might have been the best guys on each of the respective lines last night. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of competition, is there? No, and I, I heard Todd's comment about bringing in, a, what, four, five, six guys and you know, sort of presenting that to them before they get into games. And again, that's what you're hoping for is that natural internal competition to make sure everybody realizes what's at stake. And nobody, none of those uh, group of guys should have any comfort whatsoever that, you know, they're going to be given that spot. So uh, the one thing you have to look for as a young player come to a camp is do I legitimately have a chance of staying here? I mean, you know, sometimes that guys are here and they're going to be gone. It's just a foregone conclusion. But uh, I think that kind of competition and that kind of discussion before the season starts and before the preseason gets going is great. And to their credit, they've all, you know, received the message and a big night for Raddy, you know, that's the kind of thing that he's going to have to prove he can do. And as we just said about Yamamoto, that that's another understanding of, okay, message received. And I'm just going to continue to, do the things that at least give me an opportunity to be here. How vital was it that they got Darnell Nurse done as quickly as they did? Yeah, I, I think, obviously, uh, you don't want it to go to a point where now the guy, if he does come back, it has missed all the camp, is a step behind and, you know, playing catch-up from the start of the year. So the fact that you only miss, you know, three, four, five days is, is not that bad. I think it's uh, it's the kind of number that everybody was, assuming or thought that they'd uh, finally come to. And so uh, I think it was of paramount uh, importance. I think the, the back end has to find some chemistry. you got to find some pairs that you can trust. And uh, I think it was clear that Darnell is a big part of the defensive side. 
uh, of those six defense. So uh, I, I think it was really paramount that they got it done, and glad they did. And I think it's a good deal for both both sides. What is your take on the uh, Eric Carlson trade? Well, you're you're never going to win the trade because you're losing the best player. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's you look in the history of those kind of deals. You're always dealing from weakness. Uh, when you're the team that the guy's going to leave for nothing. So I, I think you could argue that, you know, maybe there would have been time earlier on that you might have been able to make a deal. Could you have done a deal uh, last year at the deadline? I'm not sure you would do much better. Uh, could you have done a deal at the draft maybe? I, I thought there might be a chance of him going at the draft, whereas you could create uh, a pretty good market there and have the ability to, uh, you know, uh, get something that can help you in the lineup. Clearly, they're, you know, they're in a, a such a bad spot in Ottawa right now, and I know public opinion is going to be something that's going to crush them this year. Um, but I, I think they did the best they could. You know, they've got a a pick coming back. They've got a player that they hope in Suzuki that can fill a role. But I don't think there's any question, Bobby. You're never going to win that deal. And San Jose got the best player. And San Jose didn't really have to give up any of their key places. So I think it's a pretty big win for the Sharks. It's funny because some people would say, Craig, that Paul Coffey was the best player to go in the trade for you. And the fact yeah, is... I would you, agree with that. I, 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 would debate, <laughs> I would debate that, okay? Just like, you know, and we've had this discussion, uh, the media loved Craig McTavish as a head coach in this town because he was a terrific quote, and I used to be one of the guys that would challenge uh, uh, some of the uh, decisions that were made. But most of the media, I think, have been hypercritical in McTavish's work as a general manager. I actually think it was decent during the time that he was the, you know what I mean? So it's all about perspective, right? Like, I look at the coffee trade that got made, and, you know, Paul's Paul. He's a special player. He's a Hall of Fame defenseman. But you helped this team win two Stanley Cups. Basically, in in the second cup you won in 1990, you were on the first line that year. So Well, I think, though, that the Penguins... You know, what I was saying about uh, the Sharks didn't have to give up an integral piece. And, you know, the Penguins uh, gave up Chris Joseph, who was a first-rounder a couple yep. years after me. They gave up some bodies. Um, but, you know, they had to give up an asset. And I, right. I think I, I knew going into that season that everything I heard, that if if he was going to go to Pittsburgh, which everybody assumed, right. I was going to be the guy because you're going to have to give up something. and. I think I had 26 goals in my second year, and so I had a really good start to the season. So there was one of those decisions for the Penguins that, you know, they had to make a decision and they had to give up something to go. So uh, I don't think Ottawa's got that kind of a player yet uh, in that deal that will will step in right away and be a contributor. And they, they hope, anyways, that they can develop some of those well, picks and also Suzuki can develop into a good player. Yeah, great stuff. When do you get started? October 3rd. I got, I'm got. i all Toronto all the time. I got a busy first week, the home opener in Toronto, Toronto at Montreal, and then Ottawa, unfortunately, on the, on the Saturday, and then the home opener for the Chicago Blackhawks on Sunday. Toronto's in there. So it'll be a quick start, and it'll be good to sort of get back in the saddle and get going. I, I, I want you to know this, Craig. I think they're going to be good. Uh, it's great that Mike Babcock has an incredible amount of self-belief uh, because some would say that the body of work since Detroit won the Cup yep. 
is now starting to become debatable. I still think he's a hell of a coach, but I'm jaundiced because he did something that nobody else has been able to do, and that's to take a terrible program and win a national title with it, right? So I've always respected him since then, since he won in Lathbridge in 94. Uh, But I think Toronto's going to score a ton, and I think they're in an easier conference. Than the yeah, others. I, I think they've they've got a good path, anyways, and the ability right. to to be there. I, the, the real, if if you can listen to Mike Babcock all year, you'll hear the same quote. And you know, his focus will be: can we can we defend? Can we check? You know, are we a, a hungry team? Do we know how to turn pucks over and do all those little things? And that that'll be to me uh, their ability to play just a, a complete all around game, which is something that he clamors for out of his teams will be interesting to watch, but they're going to be exciting. They're going to be able yep. to score and should be a, a fun ride. Anyway. All righty, Craig, uh, we look forward to having you on uh, early next week. We're going to make uh, an announcement of uh, another addition to our roster our lineup as we try to continue uh, to uh, build and grow this thing called Oilers now. So thank you for being a part of it for the last several years, and I'm glad we were able to get that contract extension done. All right, Bob, and, and, thanks for having me. And, Craig, one more thing. You know, if you'd yeah. never been traded from Pittsburgh to Edmonton, you wouldn't be doing the show called Oilers now. <laughs> I know. It worked uh, out for you. Not just, I mean, think... Lucky me. Yeah, <laughs> no, but think of, I mean, I if you'd been in Pittsburgh your whole career, yeah. Would you be, you know, one of the two main analysts who we both have on Oilers no. now, right? I mean, it, it the fact that you played in the Canadian market went a long way. It's funny how life works out, isn't it? It sure is. All right. Awesome stuff, Craig. Take care. All right. See you there. That's Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers. We are way late into this break. So, Mr. Kaufman, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read a couple liners here. I'm going to throw the break. We're going to build a break between 12.56 to 1 o'clock, and then Eileen's going to come up, all right? That's how we're going to roll on this edition of Oilers Now, live in studio, because the Oilers practice at 11.30 today, and we do not have access to our uh, broadcast location. We can tell you that our Oilers Now road trip to Germany and Sweden, all 65 spots sold out months ago. We are now accepting uh, early registrations to trips to Nashville and Las Vegas. These great packages include tickets, hotels, reception, plus parking at Value Park, Edmonton International Airport. Register now for the Oilers Now road trips. Call New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. You never know who's going to show up on these trips. We've had some really great guests over the years. That's all I'm going to say. Off to a global news weather traffic update, Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.